Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion Williams. I'm here with Peter Willis. We have a purpose. That's what my note says anyway. Uh, why do we do this, Peter? What's our purpose? <laughs> I, I, did, I knew it was coming, but I didn't see it coming and you just hit me with it. We've actually talked about this a little bit of why are we here? Why do we do this thing? Um, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been on either the website or the Facebook page or any of those other things, um, we're not asking for anything out of you. Uh, I, for myself, I think I've shared this in previous episodes, and I know Orion sits in this place with me of, um, I have this, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but one of the things I'm passionate about is biblical literacy, is about people, myself included, understanding what's really in the Word of God. A lot of us have some verses memorized either from Sunday school as a kid or just in passing. We've read them enough times or heard them in church enough times or we bought a really cool uh, scene with a boat um, picture at the Bible bookstore that had a verse on it. It's been in our house for so long that we've memorized that verse. But do we know what's in the Word? Um, And this really has been born out of a, I love digging into the Word and learning more about it. And Orion and I, uh, or Orion, you and I, um, have had a lot of fun over the years that we've known each other of sharing uh, scripture together. And that I, I think I referenced before that iron sharpening iron. And so we just wanted to share that with the world and, and, and bring people into a deeper understanding of the scripture. And why does it say that? And how does that tie in with the rest of the books? Um, There's 66 of them that comprise this whole work called the Bible. And believe it or not, it all is this woven tapestry together. And so how does this verse and this chapter and this book relate to this grand um, work called the Bible? And how does that help us relate to this God guy Mm. um, who is above all, in all, and through all? I think that's the purpose. Did I get that? I think so. I I just I would add uh, the wrestling. You know, like some of the stuff that we've come across, even just in recent episodes, maybe more even than, than in the earliest ones, where it's like, oh, this could be tough, uh, but let's wrestle through it. Uh, wrestling with the scripture. Wrestling. Uh, you know, even if it's just side by side. We're not. You and I aren't usually arguing about much, uh, but. But even if we're just wrestling with God on some of this stuff side by side, it's it's like a royal rumble, a biblical royal rumble of sorts. Uh, I, if that's an okay reference to I would venture to guess that might be one of the first times it's probably been used in reference to scripture, but I'm going to go with it. So Awesome. We uh, we are on episode 10 today. How um, are we on episode 10? Yeah. 10, nine previous short episodes culminating in this uh Tenth anniversary. I use versary wrong. I'm sure. Right I'm. There. I'm. I was gonna say. I'm. I was gonna Google tenth anniversary to see if it's a word, but I'm not even sure how to spell it to Google it to find out if it's a word or not. So never mind. Welcome to the More Than Here's tenth anniversary. Uh, we want to tell you about our email address because we want to invite you to email us at podcast at morethanhearers.com. Email us and tell us what you think. Uh, ask us a question if you want. Uh, communicate with us. You can find us on Facebook where you can do the same thing. Facebook.com slash more than hearers. Uh, hit us up. And if you want to be a little more personal touch, like, eh, I'm not really feeling the whole uh, general communication thing. You can tweet Peter at 
MTH underscore Peter, and me at at Orion Plays Music. At at. At at. I think that's a Star Wars it's vehicle. A, I was going to call it a character, but it's a it's a machine. It's it's like a character. Okay. If it yeah. has a face, it's a character, and that thing's got a face. This is not a Star Wars podcast, but it's rapidly turning into one. All right, Peter, we are in Romans chapter 10. Oh, man. And, and this comes on the heels of 9, which... Um, you know, when Orion was talking about wrestling, chapter 9 started out so, I don't want to call the Bible weird, but weird, where Paul goes, oh, I'd give up Jesus if it meant that Jews would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. I'd abandon my faith. And uh, if you listen to the last episode, you know that we both found that a little odd. I still find it a little odd. And Paul's going to continue to go on this discussion about Israel and the Jews in relation to Christ. And it's so interesting to me, and the reason why I point that out is because in the middle of chapter 10, not quite in the middle, uh, in the first third of chapter 10 maybe, um, or first half anyway, I don't know why I'm trying to quantify it exactly, but it doesn't we matter. We need specifics here. Please. Early in chapter 10, Paul's going to give one of the verses that is central to Christian salvation theology. And, oh, super cool. Which one is it? Well, we're going to get there. It's, it's verse 9, Romans 10, 9. If you don't know it, uh, it's a great verse. We're going to get to it. I won't give it away. Um, but that that verse that's central to Christian salvation theology, it sits in the middle of Paul's discourse on his heart for the Jewish people. I just find interesting. I don't know that there's like some grand, there's probably some grand theological thing to that that somebody way smarter than me knows. Um, I'm only in my second year of Bible college. That's taken me 24 years to get to my second year of Bible college. But I'm in my second year. Um, I don't have the answer for it. So if you've got the answer for it, Orion already gave it, uh, podcast at morethanhearers.com. You can tweet me at mth underscore Peter, facebook.com slash morethanhearers, at Orion Plays Music, whatever, however you want. Um, or if you know us personally, just call us on the phone. Anyway, I'm not giving out my number over the internet. Sorry. Although, I don't know, it might be out there. Internet's a dangerous place. It is. There's weird people on the internet, like those guys that do that podcast. Oh, wait, that's us. All right, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. As always, uh, I've said it uh, for nine previous episodes, the 10th anniversary wouldn't be complete unless I referenced Romans, a book uh, that Paul's written this amazing masterpiece of Christian theology that builds chapter upon chapter, verse upon verse. And so if you're picking us up on the 10th anniversary of episode, not the 10th anniversary of episode 10, because... No, that'll be the 20th. <laughs> that'll be the 20th. Uh, we're only going to do one episode 10, probably. Um, but if you've picked up episode 10 and you go, oh, this is my first exposure to these guys, let's see what they're all about. I would love it if you'd pause it and get the other ones um, under your belt because 10, while it's cool, has the whole background of 1 through 9 to build into it. That being said, we're going to jump into it. As always, we're in the NIV uh, here at the podcast. You're welcome to follow along in your version of choice. Starting in verse 1, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. What in the world is Paul talking about here? 
is really simple. Paul says, my heart and desire, my heart's desire and prayers to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. And he says, I can testify about them that they're zealous for God, but their their zeal's not based on knowledge. And he says, the people of Israel, Jews, they're crazy about God. Most of us who've had any church exposure know that Jews are often referenced as God's chosen people. God chose them, and therefore they just think God is cool because He chose God, the Creator of the whole universe. He likes us best. They're in the club. They, so they're they've got this. They're zealous for God, but they don't necessarily know why. Why? Other than oh, we've got the law. Well. We've discussed in previous episodes, and Paul's discussed throughout the book of Romans, that though even though they had the law, they missed the lawgiver. And that's verse 3. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And we see this referenced like in the Gospels, where Jesus goes, Oh, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. He goes, You followed the law, but you missed the point of the law. You had the knowledge of the law, but you were missing the knowledge of the lawgiver. You sought to, they didn't know the righteousness of God. They sought to establish their own. They figured if they could follow this set of rules, that was righteousness enough. And we know through nine and a half, nine and a tenth chapters of Romans now, that righteousness from the law is perishing. It's death. Because all the law could do was point out how sinful we were. The true righteousness comes from our surrender to Christ as Lord of our lives. By being crucified with him and subsequently being risen again into new life through him. That's righteousness. Is there danger in um, putting this all off on, <clears throat> on the Jews and not owning some of this in the modern Christian Absolutely, there's danger. I think we talked about it a few episodes back where there's places throughout the Bible, and Romans is one of them, where you can go, you can pull Jew out of the equation and plug in Christian. And a lot of the stuff that Paul calls first century Jews out for doing in relation to God and the law and truth, we 21st, are we in 21st century? 21st century. Yeah, yeah. It's always a. Like one off. One off, right. So we 21st century Christians are doing some of the same things. Well, I go to church, so I'm in. That's not how that works. Or um, I give uh, to the church and I pray and I, you know, I, I read my Bible. I mean, I, you know, I don't bother God and he doesn't bother me, but we're good. Well, that's not really how the book reads, unfortunately. And that's why it's so important to dig into the word and go, what does it say and what is truth? And so we get guilty of this same thing. We try to establish our own righteousness. I'm righteous before God because I'm trying really hard and I go to church, you know, 52 weeks a year. I probably get in 45 Sundays and I give eight and a half percent of what I own. Not that any percentage matters, but and, you know, I I try to pray and I made sure my kids are in Sunday school. even if I don't go, well, that's all great. And those are good principles to live by. But that's not righteousness. Righteousness we covered in chapter three and four comes by faith in God. It's like and by Jesus didn't even him. get mentioned in that list, right? I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And I, I think that's, I think it's easy for people, uh, given the the culture and the climate of American Christianity, where you can you can say you're a Christian and never mention Jesus, like, like ever. Like you can claim that 
I mean, not not that I'm saying it's right, but like this, you see this. That it, it gets done often. That people will go, oh, I affiliate with Christianity, with the Christian church, uh, with the Christian religion, whatever. Faith might not come up. Jesus might not come up. But somehow they think that they're established in this uh, in this way. We were hanging out the other day, and we had this discussion about irony and what is and isn't ironic. I correct me if I'm wrong, please. Is it ironic that people identify as Christian but give no, I don't know what the right word is, credence to Christ? Yeah, it's kind of like an important, it's kind of important. By kind of, I mean 100%. Yeah, it's like Christ is the root of Christian. Key element. And that's verse 4. Verse 4 says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there might be righteousness for everyone who believes. Not everyone who believes in the law. Everyone who believes in Christ. Verse 5. Moses writes about uh, the righteousness that is by the law. He says this, um, and I want to get the reference right for you too, but he says, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. Quote, the man who does these things will live by them. It's in Leviticus 18. But the righteousness, verse 6, that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it is in your heart. So there's several quotations here. And this verse, uh, verse 6 and even verse 7, 8, It's a little weird, and so let's break it down. Uh, Go back to verse 5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. The man who follows the law will live by the law. That's that's what he's referencing there. And then um, verse 6. I lost my place, so I apologize. Uh, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend to heaven? That comes from Deuteronomy 30. And that means that is to bring Christ down. Because if we could ascend into heaven of our own ability, that would diminish the significance of Christ. Right? Uh, Yeah. If I could ascend into heaven of my own accord, Christ isn't needed. We're right back to that I'm a Christian, but Jesus doesn't matter thing. Verse 7, or who will descend into the deep? Uh, That is to bring Christ up from the dead because we have no ability in and of ourselves to raise Christ from the dead. That's not our job. That's what God did. And also from Deuteronomy 30, Paul's quoting pieces of uh, of verses, Deuteronomy 30, 12 and 30, 13. But what does it say? And this is Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. It says in Deuteronomy 30, 14, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That means that that word is more than just the law. It's Christ. The word that brings salvation, right? The person who does these things will live by them. Uh, Back when he was talking about Moses, talking about the law. um, We can't ascend to heaven ourselves. We can't descend to the depths to rescue any sort of, because the wages of sin is death or the depths, right? We can't descend into the depths to raise anything back out of it. We in and of ourselves can't accomplish any of this. But the word of God, the word of God, and and 
I don't think this is a direct reference to John chapter 1, but I think we'd be remiss to not reference John chapter 1 that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. Talking about Jesus. The righteousness that comes through Christ, back to verse 8, the Word is near you, it is in your mouth and it is in your heart. It's through Christ, through the Word, that our salvation comes. That is the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. I guess I didn't read the second half of verse 8. How dare I? Let me read all of verse 8 again before I move on to 9. But what does it say? Quote, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, meaning the word, the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. And here's verse 9. And I set it up in the beginning. This is the central, one of the central verses to Christian salvation theology. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, 10 episodes, 10th anniversary, I have said time and time again, we're in the NIV, feel free to be in your translation of choice, follow along however you want. This one verse, I love so much more in the NASB, and only one word is different. What is, what's the difference? The NASB reads, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I can, and the reason why I like it better is this. I can say the sky is purple. It does not mean that the sky is purple. It doesn't even mean that I believe the sky is purple. I'm just saying whatever I want. In this case, I can say Jesus is Lord of something but if i declare jesus as lord over me so it, it has a different connotation in my mind i like that yeah your person it, it's more personal it forces it almost it forces the personalization i i can't remember if in this podcast if we've talked about lord before but <laughs> i'm looking over to ryan to see if he rolls his eyes at me because he's heard my speech on this i don't know how many times um and for those of you who are listening who have heard me speak somewhere other than the podcast before, you've bound to have heard this speech more than once. But Lord, it's a word we use, um, especially in church, pretty often. It gets thrown around pretty generically. And I don't know that in um, 2018, when we're recording this, um, you could be listening whenever, but I don't know that we have a full understanding anymore of what it means. It was a common daily word that had more meaning than it does now. Nowadays, it's stuff like, oh, Lord, <laughs> oh, that was exhausting, or whatever. But Lord, in this context and in its true meaning, meant someone who ruled over others, quite literally to the point of an ownership of person or an owner of persons, someone who owned people. And so if we declare Christ as Lord, that means we have surrendered ownership of our lives to him. That's why I like that Jesus as Lord instead of Jesus is Lord. We can declare that Jesus has ownership of something. It's a whole other world for us to declare that he owns us. And so this verse, and Orion wants to add, but give me a second. This verse, if we declare with our mouths that Jesus owns us, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Now with that raising from the dead, and I'm not trying to add to scripture, but I want to make sure you understand it. In order for him to be raised from the dead, he had to be put to death, right? And so if you confess with your mouth that Jesus owns you and you believe in your heart that he came to this earth, lived, 
was crucified dead, three days in a tomb buried, and then rose from the dead, you will be saved. All right. I think it's, this is like the kind of stuff that I key into. It's kind of almost, it's like pedantic or semantic or both. But uh, going back to verse six, Paul says, do not say in your heart, right? Yeah. Who will ascend into heaven or who will ascend, descend into the deep? So he makes this reference to heaven and we call it the grave or the deep or whatever. Right. Uh, but don't say in your heart. And, the, and then he, he goes to the next level uh, of that in uh, nine. Oh. If you declare with your mouth. Okay, so... Now, you're, now you're getting to verse oh, 10, but go ahead. Okay, I hear like, it. No, but, no, go ahead. But ex- externalizing this, right? Like, and confession and profession. But then the, con- the same concepts come back from verse 6, where if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, or Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, or deep, right? You will be saved, or ascend into heaven. Ah. He, he, brought all oh. that, he brought all that back. And I, I just think that's cool. I'm going to wipe my brain up off the wall behind me because uh, my head just exploded. It's And it's so central. And, and Paul's word choice here, even though it's translated from the Greek originally into English now, um, and, and in some cases, like if you're in the King James, it went from Greek to Latin to English, whatever. But this piece here of believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's, it's a knowing. It's more than just intellectual knowledge. It's, it's a part of you. Your belief that Christ was raised by God from the dead. From the dead. That heart belief is so much deeper than... Yeah, I, I know on Tuesdays, uh, More Than Yours publishes a podcast. I know the words. Yeah, it's, it's so much more than that. And, and I don't want to lose Orion's momentum, so we're going to go into verse 10. Because it, it hits it right in there. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And the super cool thing about Scripture saying that is it's said it 400 some years before Jesus. It says in Isaiah 28 if you want to look it up. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And back to this whole discussion that Romans centers around. Verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Hear me, folks. No difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that goes back to Joel chapter 2. Joel written long before Jesus, back when God was the God of Israel, Israel were the chosen people of God, yet the prophet of God, Joel, goes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the biggest thing of, you can get caught in this trap that you think starting with the book of Matthew or the New Testament, or I, I wish in our Bibles it was called the New Covenant, but everybody thinks that God reaching out to the rest of the world besides Israel started with Jesus. It didn't. It goes back to the foundations. It goes back to the prophets. Everyone who calls on the name of God will be saved. It's a promise from the beginning. It's not a new thing. It was God's intention from the foundations of the earth 
that all would come to him. Can I blow your mind again? I'm ready. Hit me. Uh, yeah, I know that we pronounce Joel, Joel, but you know, in Hebrew, anytime you see uh, like an E-L at the end of a name, that it's L, right? Yeah. So it's Joel. So, so Joel okay. means Yahweh is God. Oh, man. I... All right. I'm done. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is so cool. I'd never heard that before. When you first said Joel, I thought for sure I was getting a Superman reference. <laughs> Somewhere. Like Cousin of Cal-El or something else. But Do you this... know that's why all those guys are named that? No. Because the writers of Superman were Jewish? Please stop. Okay, I'm done. I I've done my part. I'm. You're gonna have to finish the podcast while I spend an hour on Google. Uh, no, that's not true. I'm, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and go forward. Verse fourteen. How then can they call on the one they haven't believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, if you're listening right now and you grew up in church like I did, and I, I, I did youth group in the early 90s. I graduated high school in 94. I'm giving away my age probably a little bit here. But I was in high school, public high school, though, in the early 90s. And I was a total youth group kid. I was at all the youth group things, that sort of thing. And my parents would buy me these Christian T-shirts. Are you familiar? Orion's I, looking I, had, I had no fear, K-N-O-W, ah. fear. There was, um, Gold's Gym was a thing, and there was for a while God's, God's gym, gym until they got in trouble and they had to change the shirts to Lord's Gym. Did you know this? I did not. Oh, you didn't know this. Um, I love a good lawsuit, though. Yeah, especially. <laughs> um, and there were all kinds of shirts like these, and I had a bunch of different ones. But I had, a, I had an idea for a shirt that just came out too corny every time I came up with it, based on verse uh, 15, which... Um, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, which is Isaiah, actually Isaiah 52. I, I wanted to make a shirt that said, I have uh, good looking feet. Okay. <laughs> and instead it just it took sounded, too much work. It got weird. <laughs> I had to spend too long explaining to people. We'll see. Paul says in Romans, but he's actually quoting Isaiah. Uh-huh. It's because I, yeah. Yeah. People be like, your shirt's dumb. All right. Weird foot guy. Yeah. You're not going to sell any of those. So I didn't do it. So anyway, uh, but I want to go back to verse 14. How can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? Well, that's simple. You can't. But how can you believe in someone if you haven't heard about them? And how can you hear about someone unless somebody tells you? And how can someone tell you unless they're sent? And it works backwards. And it almost stands in an interesting contrast to Romans chapter 1, because back in Romans chapter 1, it said that everyone knows the truth of God so that they're without excuse. Everyone. And we talked about, what about those uncontacted uncontacted tribes in the Amazon? Well, nobody's told them about God. No excuse. No excuse. Because we know this when when we stumbled across over the history of people. We stumbled across these uncontacted peoples. We contact them which ruins the whole uncontacted thing, by the way. That's true. They have some um, concept of a being greater than themselves. They may not know his name is Yahweh. They may not know he had a son named Yeshua. 
They may not know he was crucified on a cross and risen three days later, but they have a concept of the truth that there is something more than themselves. And it's that whole idea of we all know. But then, so how can Paul say, oh, how can they hear without someone preaching to them when Paul said 10 chapters ago or nine chapters ago, everyone knows. But now he's talking about more than just a concept of God. He's talking about Jesus, about the salvation that comes through Christ. And how is someone going to know unless they're told? That's why we're here. We talked at the beginning of this podcast about purpose. purpose. What is our purpose? Oh, man, it's to have good-looking feet. <laughs> See what I did there? All right. Yes. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so then Paul goes back into his, uh, in verse 16, back into his rant about his frustration with Israel. He goes, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? It's Isaiah 53.1, by the way. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Well, of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. That's Psalm 19, by the way. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. And I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me, and I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says this, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And then Paul drops the mic on chapter 10. But I want to focus on these verses because this is so good. It's such a great reinforcement of our Christian faith in light of the Old Testament. There are Christian churches, some of you listening may even go to some of these churches and say, there's no point in teaching the Old Testament, that's the old. We're dealing with the new. Jesus is now, that's the Old Covenant, there's no point in studying it. But the thing you don't realize is that the Old Covenant is just pointing to the new from the beginning. And Paul goes, Moses says, Moses, all the way back in Deuteronomy. I don't know if you grew up like me where you had to memorize the books of Bible in the or, the books of the Bible in order. But it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five books into 66 books, Moses writes this inspired by God. Talking to Israel, to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. God says to them, I will make you, Israel, God's people, envious by those who are not a nation. And I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. He says to Israel, look, I'm going to frustrate the heck out of you by a people who aren't even nearly as put together as you are. I don't know if you feel this way when you're listening. You go, oh, that's me, hmm. not put together. That's, that's where I'm at. I, I identify as a Christian, one of Christ. There's no nation on the map. There's no Christendom. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. On the map. There's still an Israel on the map. Those people identify with that place. We have no nation as Christians. Yes, yeah, some of us live in the United States or Canada or wherever we might live. Um, I noticed we have some followers on Facebook who actually live in the Virgin Islands. Welcome. That's uh, so cool. That's <laughs> so cool to me. Um, but, um, but as Christians, we don't have a geographical place we identify with. And all the way back in Deuteronomy, from the beginning of the foundation of the nation of Israel, God goes, I'm going to make you so mad by a group of people who are not organized like you are. 
And then it fast forwards into Isaiah. I was found by those who did not seek me. That's us. Mm-hmm. We're not the people of God. We weren't chasing the law. We weren't chasing God, but we found him. And God says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Also us. But this goes back 400 years before Jesus. God goes, I'm going to reveal myself to people who aren't even looking. Oh, man, that he keeps doing that, please. That's so great. More of that, God. Yes, amen. And then he goes, but concerning Israel, I say all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And it's a weird place to leave chapter 10 until you understand that Romans was written as one big long letter. And Paul wasn't like, okay, close there and we'll pick up in 11. He's still going, but he's writing this. Part of it is just him pouring out his heart, his frustration that Israel just keeps missing it. Back to chapter 9 when he goes, man, I wish I'd give up Jesus just so they'd get it. Because in chapter 10 he goes, they had every opportunity to get it. They had the law. They had truth. They had, don't descend into heaven and don't descend into hell, but seek the word of truth. And the word of truth came and became flesh and dwelt among them, and they killed him. Now, that was part of God's plan, and he rose him from the dead three days later, and they were like, no, he didn't. That didn't, that didn't happen. Oh, we saw him. No, he didn't. Yeah, we, no, we did. He's right over there. No, that's not him. Paul goes, how long? God even said it, and Paul goes, how long do I have to hold out my hands to you disobedient and obstinate people? And back to what you were talking about earlier, Orion, what a great warning to us as Christians who rebel and who ignore God. Yeah, this is a terrifying verse. Uh, yeah. Because I can so easily go, phew, not me. Uh, not but, true, or but, it wouldn't yeah. be in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, well, in the context, you know, in the context, it's a... <laughs> It's about Israel. It's all about the context. We can't take it out of context by any means. I hope um, as you've come through chapter 10 with us, you're starting to see how Romans just continues to tie together. While chapter 9 last last time started to shift gears in a different direction a little bit, Paul was writing this, this beautiful tapestry of our faith into chapter, even into the end of chapter 8 and into 9, and he finally gets to that point where he's answering question after question after question after question. Answer, knocking him down, knocking him down, knocking him down. And he finally hits a question and he goes, nope, no answer for you. Quit asking God questions. And we were like, what? That's not fair, man. And he goes, you know what's not fair? Israel's had God from the beginning and they totally blew it. And his heart, his purpose, Paul's purpose, that Israel would come to the knowledge, and ultimately that all of us would come to the knowledge. It is so cool as a Gentile believer to know that God went, no, everybody. I really like these people, but I really, I really actually like everybody. All mankind was created in His image. You were created in the image of God. What a great reason to pour into His Word to understand Him better.